Good morning and welcome everybody to NFL Friday. It is January 5th, 2018. It's a new year and uh, we got somewhat of a new show today. Coincidentally, NFL playoffs have begun. It's wild card weekend. We're going to break that down for you guys. John Furlong's with me. Emmanuel Barberi is with me. Jimmy Sullivan, of course, behind the glass. And Jackson Heil with a quasi-fantasy segment coming up. We're going to talk about Wild Card Weekend. There are some great matchups. We're first going to talk about the Giants and Jets because these guys, they're not in the playoffs, but their situation starting to become a little more clear. Finally, we can talk about it. The Giants have the second overall pick in the draft. Amazingly, the Jets have the sixth overall pick in the draft. People probably thought those roles may be switched up in the beginning of the year. But let's just get right into it, you guys. The Giants, they go 3-13. and They have an awful year. Very disappointing. And all of a sudden, Eli Manning turned 37 just a couple days ago. A lot of fans screaming for Saquon Barkley. A lot of fans screaming for the quarterback of the future. So I guess I'll ask you guys, uh, John, do the Giants have no choice but to take a quarterback with well, the second overall pick? Tommy, first of all, I just want to congratulate you and your preseason predictions. You had the Giants getting 13 losses, so I'm I'm very, very impressed with the fact that you were spot on with that. Oh, wait, you, you had them at 13 wins. Yeah, you That's uh, right. You had uh, you had them at 13 and 3, not that, 3 and 13. You just you just reversed them. <laughs> you were pretty close, honestly. You're closer now than you would have been if you would have said 4 and 12. You just you just got them mixed up. I, I know you might be yes. dyslexic or whatever. No, you might have exactly. Got, got, them, got them reversed or anything. It, it was yeah. the reversal thing. So ultimate, I meant- ultimate hot take right there. <laughs> Giants thirteen and three before the season. Tommy Aldridge had him going to Minneapolis for the Super Bowl, and here they are with the number two overall pick. In so the that's on record NFL twice. Draft. Now. Yes, that's on record twice for sure. But anyway, to, to, I don't <laughs> think you have to go quarterback here. I think someone someone told me Saquon Barkley earlier on in the season when Saquon Barkley was really lighting it up. That's this was, the thing. This was back like with with the Iowa game and a he month was, ago. And or- he, he had already won the Heisman Trophy, quote unquote. And then so for some reason, I just think he deserved to still get invited to the ceremony. Obviously, Baker Mayfield is a deserving winner, but I, I think you got to take him. I mean, he's probably the most talented player in this draft. Regardless of all the quarterbacks, I do not like. I don't trust Rosen. I definitely don't trust Darnold. I don't trust USC quarterbacks. Regardless, and we can we can get into that a little bit later when we get into Jets talk because they need a quarterback more than the Giants. But I think the Giants right now, you maybe you take a chance on a second to third round pick, kind of like a player like um I don't know if this player exists, but a player like a Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson, a, a low risk, medium reward kind of guy who can really flourish in the correct system. And it's just up to the Giants coaches to put him in the right system and to coach him well. And with the Giants clearing house, I mean, it, it just puts more pressure on the next guy, next guy you bring in. And I, I don't, I don't think you, you, you waste a pick on a quarterback. You got Eli Manning. I think he's definitely serviceable for the next few years. Why put it? Why waste a first? Not waste a first round pick, but waste a number two pick on a quarterback who. And I'm not really too sold on this draft class at quarterback. So that's just my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you, John. I don't think you need to waste a top 10 pick that you have right now on a quarterback when it may not turn into your franchise quarterback. I think Eli Manning's still very serviceable. He can be for the next at least couple of years. And if you want to put a quarterback behind him that he can maybe mentor and work into that role, yes. But I still think Eli Manning's good to go as far as a starting quarterback is concerned. And the Giants are a team that could have a very, very quick turnaround if they have the right personnel the right basis, the right coaching staff. So maybe you take a Saquon Barkley, of course, a world-class talent right now in the draft, 
again, I've said this on the record before on this show, that the Giants aren't going to do anything with Saquon Barkley unless they shore up that offensive line. Yeah, I was just going to say that. So, he, 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 if he has no offensive line, yeah. he's going to get crushed. So, so the Giants fans can't just go and say, okay, Saquon Barkley's our savior, we draft him, and then we're good to go, leads us to the promised land. You have other moves that need to be made, but I think that's a start. As John said, you could go second, third, fourth round with a quarterback that has a high upside, but maybe has some question marks. Lamar, Lamar Jackson, anybody? Ooh, absolutely. Maybe, That's maybe. The, that is the exact kind of guy I'm looking <laughs> yeah. at, Tommy. Yeah. That's no, the exact seriously. kind of guy. Put Heisman him behind winner. Eli Manning for a couple of years. Eli Manning could easily have a quick turnaround next year if you have the right supporting staff. You have a Saquon Barkley. You have a better offensive line. And then you get a couple successful seasons, establish that winning culture, work that quarterback into the mix. The Giants are all of a sudden a threat once again. So I don't, I don't waste it on a quarterback first couple picks. It's a, it's a very interesting situation. I think it's a little more nuanced than people really think because I think fans tend to think in sort of chapters, quarterback and maybe head coach chapters, and they're just seeing the Giants with the second overall pick and seeing Eli his decline in play and his age and just saying, we need the new chapter, we need next chapter. I think the players on the team see it a bit differently. Landon Collins was out there speaking in the media recently saying, I think we have three capable guys in the room, Eli Manning, Davis Webb, and Geno Smith. I think players on the team, you know, they don't want to see the team invest into some guy, you know, Josh Rosen, who may not be the quarterback for five years, just like they saw with Davis Webb. I think they want to see the new GM uh, strengthen the team by adding you know, a positional player, Saquon Barkley, an offensive lineman. So it is a very interesting situation with the Giants. Um, my, my take, honestly, I think it's, it's very tough to get down to the first, second overall pick, and it's true. Now is a prime time to take a quarterback, but I must say, unless the scouts really fall in love with one guy, they might just be better boosting up the roster a little bit, and whether that's, you know, Saquon Barkley, who two months ago we thought would be the number one overall pick for sure. Now it's a little iffy. Uh, another name I'll just throw out there, I'm excited to see how this guy develops during the draft process because, you know, people always do. But Quentin Nelson is a tackle from Notre Dame, probably the best offensive lineman in the draft. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah, Giants need to uh... – Get that. Giants need I to get mean, that. they need to sure up that position. Maybe they could trade down for him. He's looking like a low top 10 pick. Anyway, the Jets are at six. The mock draft I'm looking at right now has them taking Baker Mayfield. I don't think Baker Mayfield, guys, I'm not sure he even goes in the first round. No, I don't think so either. I think I really all, don't. You, all you need to know about him is that, remember that real wheel route on third and six late in the game where they needed that first down to ice the game and he overthrows his receiver and just an ugly, first of all, an ugly play call and second of all, just an ugly pass. I think that really kind of ex- showed what Baker Mayfield is. When the window gets tight, he really struggles. When he's got, he, when he's, I mean, just like any other quarterback, when he's got an open man, he's great, but... When that window, it, you really got to ask some questions whether he can make the NFL throws. I sort of have a theory on him, and, and, and I re- literally had this theory while I was watching the game. So everyone touts him for having a great competitive spirit. Probably his, his best attribute is his leadership skills, his ability to rile up the men, and uh, he's kind of known as a gamer. Fair? So it's fair. my thing about him is that I kind of realized this while I was watching. He's 6'1". He has uh, been told all of his life he's too small to play quarterback uh, and that he's probably not going to fit in the best college situation or even the NFL. And he's always been proving people wrong, uh, taking one step further, one step further, becoming 
you know, maybe starting quarterback at Oklahoma, having success, winning the Heisman, almost reaching the national championship. And I think this feeds uh, this sort of mentality that he has where every step further he takes is so epic because he's really not supposed to be there that that's what fires him up so much. So he's living in this fantasy land constantly. Look at how, look how that worked out for Johnny Manziel, though. No, no, no. <laughs> I, no, listen to what I'm saying. I'm, this is a cr- major critique I'm giving of him. He celebrates after every touchdown, every play, everything he does because he's 6-1 and really not supposed to be doing it. So the fact that he has to celebrate so much for throwing a touchdown, I'm just wondering, uh, is it all because he knows he really shouldn't be there? And that just kind of leads me into saying, what are the chances a six foot one quarterback thrives in the NFL? We've seen this before in college with a runner, uh, a shorter guy. I just don't think he has what it takes. Baker Mayfield almost had me sold in the Rose Bowl uh, that he was that talent that just had it and was going to be able to do something big in the NFL. But I'm still not big on the draft a quarterback again card for a team like the Jets. So if I'm the Jets and I've been saying this all season long, which is why I was okay with them succeeding, building a base, and not tanking per se, is because I'm more for signing a guy like a Kirk Cousins, bringing him in. You have the cap room to do it. You have a base that you've built. You continue to build on that. You draft in other areas of need during the draft. And you don't necessarily have to bring in another project. And I think that's what a guy like Baker Mayfield is, a project oh. that may not necessarily work out. And the Jets can't afford that. They've gone through way too many experiments that haven't worked out. You have the cap room. Go and sign a guy and work around that. I'm with you, man. I don't know who wrote this mock-up, but the way that's an excellent point of all the teams to begin this sort of project with the unknown Baker Mayfield. I don't know why it would be the Jets with the sixth overall pick. Totally agree with you. We saw some success with them building a base with those two safeties this year, Jamal Adams and the other guy. It worked, so i like them to continue doing that. Why don't we wrap this section up and, and bring in Jackson to give us a little bit of a, a studs for this, this wild card weekend? Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. All right, guys, before I get into my fantasy segment, I really have to shred you for this Lamar Jackson take because that guy cannot throw at all. I don't know why you want him as a Giants quarterback. But anyway, let me get into it. Had the Panthers beat the Falcons this weekend to force the Saints on the road, I probably would have placed Drew Brees on my duds list. However, for Panthers fans, that was not the case, and it could end up costing them this weekend. Brees' magnificent numbers in the Dome have been well documented over the past two years, but his playoff numbers are just as staggering. His four playoff matchups in New Orleans, he has thrown for 10 touchdowns with zero interceptions, all while averaging almost 290 yards in the air per game. While his most recent playoff performance at home came in 2012, he now boasts the league's best offense and faces a Panthers secondary that he picked apart back on December 3rd. The veteran gunslinger will be locked in and loaded come Sunday afternoon. Big plays have been key to the Kansas City Chiefs offense all season long, and that trend won't change tomorrow at Arrowhead. The main catalyst in Andy Reid's dynamic attack has been speedster Tyree Kill, and a big day can certainly be expected from the second-year man. Hill is utilized in pretty much every way in this offense, whether it be via the running game, screen passes, quick slants, or even the long ball. Reid will find any way to get the ball to the game's most electric player. With, with temperature set to be mild for tomorrow's wild-card bout, Hill will be, have every opportunity to make draw-jopping plays versus the Tennessee Titans defense that has surrendered its fair share of big games this year. Expect Hill to be a force in every way this weekend. 
Thank you, Jackson. Jackson, that's why you're doing fantasy and not actually on the show. I think you're way wrong about the Lamar Jackson take. I mean, did you, did you hear? Hold on, Jackson. You Jimmy. clearly got triggered by us even saying his name. There wasn't even a take. Jackson. All we really did was mention him as an option. Jackson, what were people saying about Russell Wilson coming out of college? At least, like, he could throw. I mean, all you have to look. Listen, for the Lamar Jackson, all you have to look at him is that game against Clemson at home. He had his big opportunity to make a play to make kind of show the world what he had. And he couldn't throw from the pocket. He was missing wide receivers all over the, the field. I have all not right. seen too much of this guy. We'll find out if he can throw during the, the, the process. Granted, it's tough to pinpoint a third or fourth round pick that's going to just hit it. That's why Russell Wilsons are tough to find. It's very difficult. It's so I mean, so let's want, not, let's not shred each other until back, we see yeah. this. Take him as a running back. What are what are? What? All right, let's move on. <laughs> okay, move that on. is crossing the line. That is crossing the line. We're ending. That we'll we'll, we'll talk to you in a little now. bit there, Jackson. So this weekend is wild card weekend, guys. In the AFC, you got <laughs> kind of funny. You always have one of these games with the wild card. You have Tennessee at Kansas City, looking as little like a playoff game as maybe possible. Buffalo at Jacksonville is the other AFC game. And the NFC side of things, you got a pretty good one. Atlanta versus the Rams. That's almost looking like the NFC championship or something. And you have Carolina and New Orleans, a great NFC South matchup. You guys, which matchup, and, you know, feel free to take this anywhere you want, get into specific matchups of the game or, you know, anything you want. Is there a matchup you're looking forward to, Emmanuel? I like that Falcons-Rams game uh, because I look at the rest and I can kind of see – a. Surefire winner if things go a certain way. Okay. Falcons Rams is kind of a toss up. You have the experience, the veteran presences of the Falcons that have been there, done that in the playoffs last year. Of course, the big collapse in the Super Bowl. They're a team that's probably on a mission and they really want to get back there and avenge that. And then you have a Rams team that's one of the best stories of the year. And they're in this spot. They have the talent looking to prove themselves at home. You have a Falcons team veteran poise on the road so I think that's really a toss-up you have I, I guess you have equal talent wise in, in this game and that it's most intriguing for me because I really have no idea how this game can turn that's a really good point I mean you look at the other games and you can you said it kind of pick a winner I can't imagine any of these these guys you know LA definitely had more of a dream season than Atlanta but Atlanta the way they lost in the Super Bowl last year and the veterans on that team, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, uh, Vic Beasley, sort of a veteran at this point. Um, I just can't. I mean, I, you know, someone has to lose this game. And whoever loses is just going to be devastated. I mean, I think the Falcons, again, with the way they lost last year, they know they can make it back. They have Super Bowl aspirations. And the Rams, man, they could hardly lose to anybody this year. And they're just ascending upwards, you know, as fast as you can. So someone is going to get just... Very disappointed in this game. And the QB matchup's intriguing, too. Matt the QB Ryan, matchup is last amazing. year's MVP, and Jared Goff, the guy who broke out this year. Yeah, absolutely. You guys want to know what matchup I'm most in- intrigued by? Tennessee, I- Kansas City. No, <laughs> I am going Jacksonville-Buffalo. I, ju- I am just so intrigued by this Jacksonville team. First Same. of all, I kind of like Jacksonville. First of all, I drafted Leonard Fournette in my fantasy league this year, so I like him as a player. I've followed him all year. I've really followed this team all year. And they're just—they're still under the radar from f- somehow. I mean, Leonard Fournette is such a talented back. Blake Bortles reminds me, and this is going to be crazy. I heard this—I heard somebody say this on one-on-one a couple weeks ago. He reminds me of a 
a younger version of Eli Manning. A lot of ridiculous throws, a lot of up and downs. But when he's on, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And that is Eli Manning, or especially Eli Manning when he was leading the Giants to those two Super Bowls. He was really up and down in the season. I remember the season they won, they beat the Patriots in Super Bowl 42. He had four picks against the Vikings at home on Thanksgiving weekend that one, that. that one year. And Blake Bortles, it's obvious he can have a game like that, but he's quietly molded himself into a solid starting quarterback. And this team, they've got a really, really good defense. I mean, Jalen oh, Ramsey's man. one of the best corners in the league. Calais Campbell has been fantastic AJ in the middle. Boye, too, and is he, one they, of the best that corners whole, in That the whole team has been so good this entire yeah. season. So we'll, I, we'll, we'll see what happens with this one. I, there's, I saw a stat today, and I am a, I'm a big history guy in the, in the sense that like, history tends to repeat itself. The only team's with a worse point differential than Buffalo's minus 57 this season. They have a minus 57 point differential. The only four teams wow. that have made the playoffs with a, with a worse differential than that, the 89 Steelers, the 04 Rams, the 2010 Seahawks, and the 2011 Broncos, all four of those teams won their first matchup. Huh. So that kind of strikes kinda me as like... Kind of going against with what you were... Exactly. It does go against that. I think the Bills will give him a bit of a game, but especially if LeSean, if McCoy does not play, this game is going to be a blowout. I'm glad you imagined that. I think it's going to be fun for the Bills. I'm, at first, I was so angry. I'm a Dolphins fan. I yeah. just wanted to keep the, <laughs> keep the Bills over on the side. The longest longest playoff drought in the four major leagues. I always thought that was fun to hold over Bills fans. But when you think about it now, that they're giving money to Andy Dalton's charity. And the fact that the the... Bengals came through in the clutch to help the Bills. That was crazy. Two of the most cursed franchises in the NFL coming together to help one another. I thought it could would never happen. I was thinking, I turned that game off with two minutes to go, and he's like, they're done. There's no yeah. way the Bills are making the playoffs right now. They need help from the Bengals, and they're the Bills. And somehow it worked out in the Bills' favor. I'm, I'm stunned. I'm stunned that they made the playoffs. Also, I, I like your point about intriguing matchup because intriguing matchup for me was – which game's going to be closest, which game's most up in the air. I think the Jaguars have the Bills number here, and they're, they're going to win this game, and I think they're going to win big. But as far as intriguing team goes, I really, really like the Jaguars, and I agree with you in that. I'm, I'm still a big playoff games are one in the trenches type of guy, and I like the combination with Leonard Fournette out of the backfield and then the pass rush and the overall defense of the Jaguars. I think that's a winning formula in the playoffs. So, yep. I just like the Jaguars yeah. as a whole, and I think without LaShawn McCoy, this is going to be a steamroll uh, or an effective LaShawn McCoy. Here's the thing. I wish LaShawn McCoy was playing in this game really badly. One, Buffalo needs any offensive boost they can get. Without him, they hardly have any offense. And for the other reason that, you know, these teams actually kind of remind me of each other. As I've thought about the Bills over the past few years, they've always had a strong defense. It's kind of what's made them close to reaching the playoffs all these years, and Always had an offense that's a little behind. And that's sort of like Jacksonville you were just describing, John. If LaShawn McCoy was playing, they'd be very similar. Two solid defenses that will rely heavily on the run with two young, very, or <laughs> McCoy's not so young, with two really talented backs, LaShawn McCoy and Leonard Fournette. So this is a good game, and and I, I think I'm on the Jacksonville bandwagon, uh, especially without LaShawn McCoy. That is just a really brutal blow. The winner of that game will play Pittsburgh, so you could be looking at Jacksonville versus Ben Roethlisberger, and you know the three Bs, probably the best offense in the league versus the best defense in the league. That could be a good matchup. The winner of the Kansas City game will face New England, but you know what? We'll talk about this all in the next segment as we predict these outcomes, but now let's go to Jackson one more time. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. 
All right, well, I'm going to stick on the LaShawn McCoy train with you guys. And like you mentioned, he very well may not play this weekend. But when he is healthy, his change of direction and explosiveness through holes make him pretty much nearly impossible to stop. However, on the road this season, Shady has struggled mightily. He has topped 100 yards just once on the road this season. And there's often been a non-factor like last week's 10-yard performance on 11 carries against the Miami Dolphins. McCoy will be forced to go against a Jackson, Jacksonville defense and infiltrate a front seven that includes Marcel Darius and Malik Jackson. It's really tough to imagine a scenario in which McCoy has a big day, especially given that he's not fully healthy. My next guy I'll go to is Devin Funches, and when Kelvin Benjamin was shipped up to Buffalo at the trade line this year, it's a clear indicator that the Panthers thought he was the guy. Unfortunately for Carolina, that has not been the case, as he has had at least seven receptions in a game just once this week five, while collecting just a total of six catches in the final three weeks of the season. Despite being a massive red zone threat with eight scores this season, Funches has failed to establish himself as the top target in Carolina. He's already banged up with a shoulder injury this year that has forced him to miss practice this week, and he'll have a date with Saints rookie phenom Marshawn Lattimore on Saturday afternoon. Steering clear of Funches at all costs this weekend would be very wise. Good stuff, Jackson, as always. Thank you very much. Sean McCoy, I like that you don't like him, but I'm not even sure he's going to play this week anyway. I think if it's a playoff game and you're the Bills and you just got back to the playoffs for the first time, and, well, what is it, since you know, 2000, you play? That's the thing. He'll suit up, but he just – I can't imagine it's effective. If he plays, he'll be limited and he won't be effective. It's unfortunate for the Bills. It is very I think he plays, but is it really playing? No. You, you know no. what I'm saying? And 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 so let's, let's start with this game because I was about to say I could see a routing happening in this one, so luckily we get to talk about it. Buffalo at Jacksonville, uh, they play not tomorrow. They're on Sunday at 1 p.m. Uh, on CBS. And let's pick the winner, you guys. Buffalo, Jacksonville. The winner goes into Pittsburgh. I'm going to I'm going to Jacksonville. I'm going Jacksonville. And if you're a spread guy, nine points. I think it's money. I, I think the Jaguars win and cover. Nine point. That wow. So that that's 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 a pretty heavy seed, man. It, it is. It is. But I think. If McCoy's healthy and he gets his full dose of reps, they win. Uh, um, even 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 with that, but without a healthy McCoy, ten points is put in the bank. Yeah, and here's my I mean my reasoning, John. You alluded to it earlier. The defense of Jacksonville is probably I think it is. It's the best in the playoffs by far. It's it's unmatched. They can do whatever they want because you know they have a pretty dirty front seven and they can blitz and send some heat and get a lot of pressure. But at the same time, they can drop uh, seven men into coverage, only rush four, and those two corners they have on the outside can allow them to do pretty much whatever they want. And Buffalo is already not a good offense. I mean, there's gonna, there could be some really good matchups in the future. I'm telling you, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, we're all on board with Jacksonville, so we're assuming that's going to happen. That's going to be a great game. I mean, there's going to be a lot of matchups to talk about in that game. So that's pretty exciting. Why don't we move on to the Saturday AFC game? It's Tennessee uh, versus Kansas City. I believe that game's in Kansas City, and the winner is going to go on to play New England. So anybody got a, a strong feeling any which way on that game? I really don't care about this game. <laughs> it's just it should, You're right. It's that one game that kind of feels yeah. just like. Duh. And it's not Kansas City though. It's Tennessee. We. No. All, I mean, it's if, if Kansas City was playing a better team, I don't think we'd feel as crappy yes, about it. It's but Tennessee. Ten- they this were Tennessee teams. Te- no, they were terrible. a really weak regular season team. Not even like their final record was probably decent. I'm not sure what it was, but 
Yeah, so they went 10 and 6. That's good. Yeah, they were 10 and 6. And you thought they could, but they looked ugly doing it. Well, I mean, I don't yeah, know why that is. I, I mean, people keep telling me, okay, like look at Tennessee and Marcus Mariota. Mariota didn't have a he's good been year. Awful. He's he's had a he's had a yeah bad year. And Tennessee's bottom half of the league in every offensive category, below average defense. And you have a Chiefs team that they hit a midseason bump, but since then they've been on a roll. They're kind so. of starting to get themselves back. Plus, into they're it. at Arrowhead, so yes. I think this is an easy. Chiefs pick. No, this <laughs> this has got to be. I'm with the Chiefs. We're all with the Chiefs. It sounds like, and and we all know the narrative with the Chiefs. They're good. In the, they're great in the regular season, and and they lose one and done in the playoffs. It happens every year. Let's let's. This has got to be the year that changes, right? I mean, this has just got to be it. I mean, Alex Smith, if he doesn't win this game, it's got to be Patrick Mahomes next year, right? I because this guess. is just unexcusable. Yeah, I guess you're right. There's question anyway about whether Smith will be back, regardless. So if he doesn't yeah. win a game against the Titans at home in the first round, uh, that, that's that's not good for him. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. So Saturday night, you have a really good game, the game of the week. Two offenses who are just really good, and two defenses who are pretty darn decent. It's the Falcons at the Rams. This game in L.A. and the winner is going to go on to play Philadelphia, the number one seed. We've been talking about them all year. I regardless of the winner. Well, if, this the, game, if the Rams win, they're not playing the Phillies, or no, they're not playing in Philly because they're the th- no, yeah, because they're the three. Oh, so they would they would go and play Minnesota, Minnesota. if the Rams. Okay, win. so this is this. So you, it's not it's it's not that cut and dry like that. Ah, they re- so this they reseed. Is... Yes, yeah. they okay. reseed Tommy. Okay, oh boy. Well, <laughs> I was gonna say. Have you watched the NFL in the past five years? Uh, regardless, regardless, no. But uh, <laughs> I I almost like any of these teams to beat Philadelphia. It's funny that Philadelphia, you know, Carson Wentz not being there is significant, but Atlanta and Los Angeles, these these could be two of the most potent teams in the NFC. Very hard game to pick, you guys. Got to get on the record with one of them. Got to I called it a toss-up, but when I, when this is not a toss-up. The Falcons are not a good team, guys. The Falcons, they... Ooh, I'm, re- taking, I'm taking the Falcons here. That, you're wrong. They're, yeah. you're, they're back, they backed into the playoffs. So first of all, they lost to the Dolphins this year. That's strike number one against them. Strike yeah, number right, two right. is the fact that this offense has really, really struggled. They have not reached the levels anywhere near the levels that they were at last season. And this defense is just, eh. There's yeah. nothing really to like about this team. The only reason that they got into the playoffs is because the Seahawks were just incompetent on defense this entire season. I mean, that defense could not stop anybody. That offensive line could not stop anybody. Russell Wilson had to literally be Superman. And if they would have made the playoffs, I would have voted for him as MVP. You can't vote for somebody. You can't vote for a quarterback who didn't make the playoffs as MVP. So I obviously I wouldn't vote for him anymore. But Russell Wilson, he had to do that entire thing on his own. And that's really the reason why that the Falcons are in the playoffs because it was just Russell Wilson kind of and a Herculean effort to get his team. Some to, good points. To get Those his are team some close to the very, playoffs. very good points. I like your points, John. But the reason I like the Falcons, I was watching this NFL Network video yesterday. Super Bowl uh, hangover uh, is real, guys. I just want to put that out there. Super Bowl losing hangover is real. <laughs> Maybe it's worse than right. it is right. real. But, I said that but, before the season, and look at that—they barely made the playoffs. They were showing how the Falcons kind of managed their offense and how they kind of worked through some of their struggles with these little short outs, putting a running back out of the backfield and Matt Ryan hitting him in stride about only five yards down the field. But it's those little gains and, the, and those little routes that, that the Falcons can use in a game like this to kind of weather the storm. I don't know. 
I just have a gut feeling here. I like the experience of the Falcons. I was. I, I think that's a really good point. I, I really want to get back to that stage. Rams, they're a very, very talented team, but they're inexperienced on this stage. They don't necessarily have that home field advantage that everyone else has. No, I'm going with the Rams. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. So those are some really good points both you guys make. I think the main thing that you can look at with Atlanta is the experience factor. That That is it. I mean, you have an NFL MVP. You have Julio Jones. And you got guys who at least know what it's like to have success last year. Um, but totally in decline last year. You know, one team is definitely trending uh, downwards, generally speaking, and one team is definitely trending upwards. It's a tough game to pick. I might have to go with the hype of L.A. That being said, I like the points you made, Emmanuel. They can counter some struggles in the downfield passing game with two of those pass-catching backs. Tevin Coleman and Devontae, they can do anything out of the backfield. So it's going to be a good one. I'm on board with L.A., Sounds like we got one for Atlanta, two for L.A. You yeah, want to make yeah. a final point? And I'm not saying the Rams don't excite me. And the Rams, yeah. picking them definitely crossed my mind. Jared Goff, baby. There, <laughs> there was just this gut feeling in mind where I'm like, yeah. I got to pick Atlanta. No, yeah. and I, 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 I feel why, like you're wrong. I feel right. like. The, I may be wrong, but. Yeah. Hey, well, that's that's the point. We take we make takes here on this show. And, no, I feel like uh, I feel like the Rams, like, they're either going to continue this crazy ascendance and, and, you know, make a Super Bowl run or they're going to lose in kind of bad form. I don't really see a medium, but, you know, there always could be. Why don't we talk about the Sunday NFC game? It's Carolina and New Orleans. Anyone know where this game's at? Actually, i got to check that out. It's now in that, New Orleans. It's in New Orleans. So it's in they, New Orleans. Won, they won the division, so they get to host the game. It's the rematch of a few weeks ago. They played there early December. And it's a good one. New Orleans pretty managed them pretty well, in Two my times opinion. this season. Yeah, Week they beat three them. as well. They, they beat them twice them. this year, which is to, which good honestly, or bad. Which honestly isn't a good thing <laughs> for the Saints. I always point to Super Bowl Forty Two, the 08 yeah. playoffs, where the Giants, Giants Cowboys, the, the Cowboys yeah. couldn't beat them three times in a season. It's always hard to beat somebody yeah. three times in a season. It's always awesome when teams play each other third time it, i mean it's just awesome i mean you know so quick little breaking news everybody raiders will introduce john gruden as head coach at news conference tuesday okay i think wow. we i let okay kind of knew that let's was make coming. our picks and then let's talk about that for a second carolina new orleans a third time playing each other in the nfc south i mean two great quarterback matchups different styles drew Brees, hall of famer cam newton nfl mvp potential hall of famer here you guys got to pick one who, who you, do you, you like just call cam newton a potential hall of famer He's like in his sixth season. Why are you talking about Hall of Famer? He's, he's still got he's, ten he's more talking, years to go. Uh, in Tommy's defense, I think no, he's yeah. talking about his upside. He's saying no, no, that was, fine, no, that was fine, very, fine, fine, uh, fine, what's fine. the word when you throw something out there? That that, that was kind of facetious. Uh, oh, sort of like, I wasn't fishing for a comment, but yeah. like it definitely was. Okay, uh, fair. Provocative. Provocative is the, yeah, yeah, literally yeah. the word. Good so word, good so word. unnecessary by me to say that, but look, a great quarterback. <laughs> like, what? Uh, I literally just heard it on ESPN, and I was like, that is an interesting debate. Yes. But, uh, so anyway. these, this is this is a good game here, and New Orleans has had a potent offense all year with those two running backs. I think I, I think this New Orleans team is so balanced. I think the champion of the NFC comes from this game. I think that it's, it's a shame that these two teams are playing each other this early yeah. because I think this could very well be the NFC championship matchup if things had worked out differently on the bracket. I think I'm going to go with New Orleans here because this team is so balanced. They've got a good defense. Lattimore has been such a great corner, and it, New Orleans has always, ever since... They won the Super Bowl. They've really been lacking in the corner department, but now they've got Lattimore, and he's been fantastic for them. That defense has been solid enough to keep that off to to get the offense back on the field when need be. And Drew Brees hasn't had to do 
10,000 things this year like he always has. I mean, he, th- this That's the biggest Alvin difference. Alvin Kamara is an absolute beast. This kid is so so good and Mark, crazy. and Mark Ingram is just really reaping the rewards of Alvin Alvin Kamara's uh emergence because without him, he's just a basic standard running back, but with them in this in this tandem that they have, man oh man, these guys are scary. I'm going to go with New Orleans here. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be a fun game. I mean, division rivalries are always fun in wild card games. It's going to be in the Superdome. It's going to be loud. I think I'm going to say it right now. I think that this is the winner of this game will go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. Yeah, and I'm happy you mentioned Lattimore because the two wins that the Saints had over the Panthers in the regular season in Week Three and Thirteen, Lattimore didn't play, and, and they handled them relatively easily. So I like the Saints. I think being at home in the Superdome definitely helps. Week Three was kind of when the Saints found their identity. Yes, they were 0 two. Didn't really know where this team was going, and then they used that balance attack to beat Carolina. You have, the, you have the running game, you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, and you have a defense that the Saints have never really had where they're calling, they're kind of come at you that way. Yeah. So I like the Saints all around, and I don't think this third time's a charm thing is going to work for the Panthers. I like the Saints. I like the Saints as well, and, and for you know if for any reason, I just think it's their time. You know, Drew Brees has been so good throughout his entire career, and really the past four or five years has just been a part of mediocrity that doesn't seem to be necessarily his fault. People around him not playing so well. Just not a great team around a guy who has MVP caliber seasons almost every year. So I just think it's their time. I think Drew Brees, you know, he, he's a guy who he should have two Super Bowl rings or something. So I think it's his time. I'm all in with New Orleans and agree that this could be the matchup of the NFC. So do we want to go to Jackson one more time or do you guys want to get – you want to talk about John Gruden for a sec? I mean – Let's talk about John Jackson, Gruden for a sec. Jackson's got some sleepers for us. I don't think we really care who's sleeping this week because <laughs> they're, probably, they're probably not even playing. So I don't think we need to hear a third sleeper segment. Jackson, we appreciate your time. If you're still with us, you can make a little comment. But, uh, you know, this John Gruden thing, you guys, why don't we bring Jackson in? Yeah, why don't we bring yeah, Jackson yeah. in for Jackson, this? I was going mean, to say, this, I was feeling been... hurt for a second. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is a harsh way Just to give us go. names. Literally, Jackson, tell us to who is on your list. Delaney Walker and Leonard Fournette. So, there you go. All right, well, Leonard I'm glad we missed it with Delaney, Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker, no, that's, <laughs> no, that's fair. Um, he's a sleeper. Okay, actually, you're right. He is a yeah, sleeper. Yeah, exactly. He is a sleeper. So, this, this Gruden news, you guys, I've just been waiting for the guy. The guy has been so weird about wanting to come back or not. We've all kind of known he wants to, and... I guess he's really just a big, big Raiders guy, you know? I mean, anyone got a, a, a particular feeling about this? Anyone's excited, disappointed with the Raiders? Hey, Jackson, go ahead. You, we kind of cut you disappointed, off, so Anyone right, disappointed well, to lose the great Monday night commentary? Uh, I, am. He, I didn't I mean, love his Monday night commentary. <laughs> I think that's what we're all most upset about is, I mean, for first off, for ESPN, that's a massive loss for them. Because it is. That was that was like the only reason people were tuning into Monday Night Football was because of him. Man, it but really was. That's the, that's that's a good point for me at least. In general, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that he ended up coming back to the Raiders because I mean, you look back what they did in 2002 when they traded us to Tampa Bay, and then he goes and wins the Super Bowl with them against the Raiders. It's just it's kind of an interesting dynamic to see that he would go back to Oakland. Obviously, I think what they're reporting is that he was given he was given ownership stake in this in this as part of the coaching gig as well. So I assume that's probably one of the big factors as to why he'd come back. But um, overall, I think it's a great hire for Oakland. I mean, they, they needed someone. Jack Del Rio wasn't getting the job done. And I, I think he's, he's the perfect guy to handle Oakland, especially when they go to Vegas to have a big, big name and big mouth like that. 
One thing I think is interesting about Gruden is that he's celebrated as this great head coach. No one really knows how he's going to coach exactly. We're not Who's to say he comes back and is this big guru of the league? You know, he hasn't had experience in a while. One thing I would like to say, though, I think, you know, if you're John Gruden and you're saying, you know, do I want to come back? What If I'm going to come back, it's only going to be the right opportunity. Why are these Raiders the right opportunity? Obviously, the first thing you look at is Derek Carr. You have, you know, especially at the beginning of the season, you thought you had the best young quarterback in the league. He regressed a lot this year, but Gruden probably sees what he saw the years before. And, again, he was paid like the best young quarterback in the league just a season ago. But I think, you know, I think the biggest reason Gruden said, you know what, all right, I'll take this opportunity. You got Khalil Mack, the best defensive player in the league, probably one of the most, if not, you know, the second most Aaron Donald, most disruptive player in the league. And uh, I think Gruden would just salivate over that. You know, you hear Gruden during the Monday night game. Uh, how about this guy, Khalil Mack? You know, he's talking about how he draws three guys toward him. You can do anything you want. You know, with that kind of puzzle piece, I think that's very intriguing as a head coach. I think he fits right in. Uh, John Gruden is definitely a, a Raiders guy. Absolutely. Uh, so, so you ask who's the head coach of the Raiders, you say John Gruden. It just fits. Um, I like the fit for the Raiders. I kind of think they need a, a, a new face at the helm. Uh, definitely, definitely a new style. Per se. I, I mean, I felt bad for the Raiders just because last year they were trending in such the right direction. Uh, twelve and four season, they lose Derek Carr at the end, and then they were a real threat in those playoffs if he was healthy, and their season just kind of hit a, a just a just a brick wall. So, so I think there are pieces there, there are pieces to work with. I think a uh, kind of a new regime will help them, and I I like the hire. I I wouldn't say that John Gruden would be a bad hire for a team that has the pieces to succeed. John, last word, I'll give it to you. I think I'm not a huge fan of John Gruden on ESPN, but I think you're right. He is a he's definitely a draw and he's definitely recognizable. So yeah, it's a big loss. I think this Raiders team they, this is a big this is a big crossroads for them. They're either gonna go back down into mediocrity where they were for the past ten years, or they're gonna kind of reverse this downward spiral that they had this year and return to uh, a real AFC playoff contender like they were last year before Carr got hurt. It's gonna be very interesting in the future to see John Gruden on those Raiders sidelines, man. Well. With that, we got Wild Card Weekend ahead of us. Guys, it's been a great show. Emmanuel, thank you. John, thank you. Jimmy Sullivan behind the glass, thank you so much. And Jackson, if you're still with us, thank you. <laughs> Try to stay warm out there in upstate New York. Guys, it's been NFL Friday, Wild Card Weekend coming up.